Once upon a time, in a place of make-believe, there was a little theater company that couldn't. Sorry, folks. Am I doing something wrong? They couldn't get their cues right. What is going on? They couldn't get their lines straight. We only just managed to fit it in. I mean, we'll only just do it. I mean... They couldn't even stand on their own two feet. Are you all right, Gary? Don't panic, don't panic! He's all right! Oh, well done. Until a director was hired... Hold it! Stop! 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 Hold it! ...to take control. God said, hold it! He started with the basics. We know you've worked over in London in some very classy places where they let you make the play up as you go along. But we don't want that kind of thing here, love. Develop their talent. Would it perhaps be better if I came on a little earlier? Right, only, only a little sooner, a shade earlier, like yesterday. Nurtured their creativity. Let me just say one thing. No. Could I ask another dumb question? No. And guided their every move. Don't fall down, Tim. We may not be insured. Now, if he can only get them to Broadway in one piece. I'm starting to know what God felt like. And what did he feel like? Very pleased he'd taken his Valium. They just might have a happy ending. It's like the band playing on as the Titanic sank. Touchstone Pictures and Amblin Entertainment present a Peter Bogdanovich picture. Is it a party? Noises off. I've worked with a lot of directors, but I've never met one who is so totally and absolutely, I don't know. Beautifully put, Gary. Well, I'm excited to, to actually have Reconcinimation go theater this episode. Welcome to a brand new episode of Reconcinimation. I'm John Diner. I'm David Munchak. I'm Brent Hutchins. And this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And yes, it's yet another special episode. I feel like I say it every time, but it's true. Returning from our last episode, it's it's guest co-host Joe Setta. Hey, I haven't oh, slept God. yet. <laughs> Thanks for going. having me. You've, you've been He's up been for up weeks since the last record. I have. I've, I've, I'm wired. So well, I don't know good. if you saw uh, recently, uh, Woody Harrelson hosted Saturday Night Live, became a member of the Five Timers Club. And you know what hey. this is? This is my fifth reconsideration. We hey. have, we have a very special robe for you. Uh, Thank when you. We're back in the, in the studio together. Thank you. We'll, we'll do the presentation. Yeah. I'm very yeah. excited. It's lined with a diamonds, like, like David's office. Oh, I, right. I'll promise I won't hock it, at least not yet. So. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> Hang on to get, it. Yeah, wait for a little bit. Yeah. It'll be worth even more in the future. Yeah. If it shows up on eBay immediately, we'll know who did it. So yeah. It's yeah. me, I think, or E.K. Wimmer, right? How many, how many yeah. five-timers have you got? It's a small he's, group. Uh, he's, a, he's a, I think, a seven-timer right now. Ooh. So now it becomes a race to the ten-timer club. Right, that's right. So yeah, circling the studio at all times. Yeah. Ready? What are we talking? Are we talking about Hook yet? You want to talk Hook? The Decapod. Oh God, Hook! Throwing rocks at the window. So. <laughs> well, we. Are I'm ready talking... for Hook. Just to circle I, back, I'm I definitely know. ready. Oh, you want to talk Hook? I, well, I'm but good. look, we're we're still in, and it's come up a few times lately, but we're still in the Amblin Entertainment uh, universe here. Because, uh, you know, we, we recently talked about batteries not included. Um, there's been plenty of, uh, of Spielberg to go around on this show. But we are going to talk about Noises Off, the 1992 yeah. Peter Bogdanovich film. This is kind of a new vibe for us, you know? <laughs> this, this is. So we're, we're going, like I said, we're going theater. We're going a little bit into the um, 
you know, the theatrical world uh, for the first time. So what's, uh, David, why don't you give us a quick rundown? Uh, what, what is Noises Off? Noises Off is a like farcical, farcical, farcical uh, story about a, 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 a band of uh, the, uh, like a theater group uh, building a show to eventually get onto Broadway. And we watch them at very specific periods where they are rehearsing and, uh, and we see the kind of zaniness of their, their relationships in the front of the stage, the back of the stage. And then when they finally arrive in New York and it is a wacky farcical farcical uh that's that's how you that's the proper pronunciation let's put it in the book farcical farcical um so yeah and it's it's just a uh it's just sort of a a zany kind of madcap story i think i think we call those theater groups i think we call them troops but i don't think they're a troop though they're i mean would you call it a troop, they're, Joe? Because like they're not they're like they're brought together for this one show. Like yeah, the, the, I guess know. they're a yeah, one they're, time one time troop. They're a, I guess a one time troop. Yeah. Traveling theater troop. Yeah, yeah I mean we I guess see they them do go, travel a little bit, so I guess you could kind of classify it that way. Yeah, yeah, that's what you do with those those productions, right? You try them out in the in the other cities. You 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 kind of work out the book and and work at work it out in these uh, and and build the buzz across America and with the hope that you get to New York and yeah. the big, and the big you'll, time that you'll stage it there. So um, you work out all the kinks in front of the, the, all the dummies across small town America <laughs> <laughs> until you get to the elite audiences of NYC. Now compare and contrast this with another film about theater waiting for Guffman. Mm. it's almost the same it's, it's almost, almost the same, same. <laughs> it's very similar yeah oddly but, similar but from a different sort of different perspective it's yeah. a good little companion piece though it if is, you we're gonna yeah. buy a double feature those mm-hmm. would be probably the two yeah I that's would, all that's concur. all that's all improvised right uh guffman more or less yeah, yeah, yeah well that's Christopher all the, guest yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, the christopher uh, guest world that's uh, like 90 percent improv but like you know, like the yeah, the, there's so many movies about making movies. There's not a ton of movies about you know putting together theater, right? No, like, there really isn't. Not no. a ton. I mean, that's it's an old world style thing that let's put on a show. But usually that's like putting on a musical in a barn, right? Like it's it's not <laughs> White Christmas, you know. It's not quite the same thing. Summer yeah. stock type stuff. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of there's been a lot of, and we'll get into it in a second. But a lot of movies f- made from plays but not a lot of movies about plays or about not really like there's the one that jumps in my memory is I think Richard the third with Al Pacino and Alec Baldwin. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. They're actually putting the production on. Yeah. 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 They're like, I think they're like playing. I mean, I haven't seen it in forever, but I think they're playing themselves and it's about that. I think that, yeah, I I saw it when it was, that was what the late nineties or the, Early 2000s. One of the late 90s, one of the best uh, time periods in the history of time. They one had it the going. Best, <laughs> one of the best 90s ever. Yeah. Um, it was like 96, 97. When it comes to 17, 18, or 1990s, I like 1990s. <laughs> I would take the 1990s. With, I'm going honestly. with the 1990s. Yeah. You know, <laughs> can't deny it. This is pretty good. But yeah, the only other, like, I mean, there's a lot of movies about plays, but big time, like Birdman comes to mind. Yeah, that's sure. very much yeah. about putting on a play. Yeah. But but that's a, you know, there's a that's a, a little different than focusing on the show itself. You know, right. like there's scenes, yeah. 
but you know in recent years that's probably the the real theater you know movie mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um yeah well, but not not i mean noises off is a completely different thing than that. totally yeah and right. and this type of play doesn't get yeah. made into a movie very often yeah and you've had plenty yeah. of music theater musicals that get turned into movies whether yeah. like no. you know but no. they're not no no they don't <laughs> no, do that it's just not done they don't do that, don't, they don't do that at all <laughs> we don't talk about those here no i'm just kidding <laughs> I, I feel like every I feel like every musical's been made into a movie at this point. Yeah. Basically, right? Yeah. And when plenty of movies have now become musicals, so it's a uh, it's gone the other a, way. It's, it's kind all of over. Goofy. It's true. Yeah. Once they what would be the first big one, Joe? Is it like The Lion King? Like what, we actually it? covered this on the first season of It Happened One Year mm -hmm. uh, in 1994. I mean, there were movie adaptations into plays before this, but the first big big one was Beauty and the Beast. That was like that oh, was 94. Mm -hmm. okay. And then from then on, it became like. Disney's thing, but then everybody started like, well, let's let's turn it into a musical. Let's do it. And that's how you end up with, you know, Spider-Man yeah, needs to be a musical. So many things. Like it was just like we need to, you know, so big spectacle. Did they make and, it a musical? It. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Turn off turn the, off dark. the dark. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So Produced many people George died. Santos. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. George Santos was in it. Huh? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Or was he? Well, <laughs> who's to say? Not taking George at his word, you know. It's the yeah. thing to do. I tend to, I tend to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. So, <laughs> okay, let's we'll give Santos a pass. <laughs> let's let's say Santos. Yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Uh, um, so, speaking of theater, I think we all we all everyone must have some kind of relationship with the theater, whether they're a just a viewer or a participant. What about you guys, Joe? We'll start with you. Have you have you been in the the theater world? Yeah, I I mean not lately. Uh, after I moved to Chicago, that was it for me and and doing shows. It's, Chicago is such a you know a, a professional theater town that that was it for me. But um, but you know small town America. Growing up in Scranton, Pennsylvania, I uh, you know I did a like high school, college, a lot of local productions. Me mm -hmm. and Munchak actually met doing a play, so that's that's how we even know each other. We yeah. were in the same high school. But we didn't know each other for the what two years up until that point. So yeah, um, that was what it was. I played a little character named Hawkeye Pierce and Mash, Ooh. and uh, and uh, Munchak played Blake, Colonel Blake, Colonel so, Blake. That's right. That right. Yeah, I yeah. think we might need to have a reenactment of that. Ooh. Someone, Let's, someone. Let me grab a script. I, I, I got it here somewhere. <laughs> we'll do. I think we're doing a live reading of Mash later this year. So. <laughs> Some yeah. proud family member must have caught that on the old camcorder, right? Like, I'm, let's dig that up. I'm actually pretty sure we have a copy of that lying around. So I'm pretty <laughs> sure we need to screen it. I'll, uh, I'll, do you have, you, Dave, do you have a copy of that or no? I think I might have it in a trunk somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. I used to, I had it forever. I don't, I don't see why I would have like get, got rid of it. So it right. is on, it is on his VHS shelf right now <laughs> underneath, <laughs> underneath his television. We can set. see it behind him. Right oh, yeah, it's, in a, it's in a box somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a picture of me on it like, yeah. that I printed out. Like as like, Colonel thumbs Blake. Up. Yeah. In yeah. Thumbs up. But, but no, I did a lot of plays for, for that period of time. And then uh, I wrote some plays and I directed some stuff. So for a while, I was really doing it, but in a very small town kind of way. Like I wasn't aspiring to become a theater person, like outside of that. It was just sort of something I did for fun. But isn't and... the small town theater the best kind of theater? Oh, easy, easily. Yeah. Community <laughs> yeah. theater? Yeah. 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 Community yeah. theater is the best because <laughs> even if it's yeah. bad, it's still awesome, right? Exactly. <laughs> it, it's That's only really better part. because of that. Yeah, and you when go see a 
Oh, go Sorry. ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I just if you go see a bad professional show, that's like the worst night of your life. But you could go see any community theater and get a mixed bag of like this person's really good and like that person's horrible. And then like <laughs> this set is falling apart and it's just just glorious. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we just went to go see a community theater uh, production here of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Oh, yeah. Nice. Dude, it was awesome. I was oh. like, I was floored. I was like, these people are putting it on. Like, this is actually like <laughs> legit. I was like, really pleased and surprised because I have not seen very many good community. I mean, like, yes, yeah. they've all been great, but right. no, no, like really good yeah. Yeah. community theater shows. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's going to depend where you are too, right? Like if you end up in like, like, I don't want to, I don't want to run down Scranton. Scranton has actually some pretty good little theater groups, but they don't have enough people to really populate these shows with a ton of talent. So it's really just a lot of gumption and gumption is what's driving those shows. And, uh, and so therefore you end up with, you know, some pretty fun productions, but uh, yeah, that was, you know, you get a lot of the same actors. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, it's like up back again. I kept doing shows at a place called Actor Circle in Scranton, which is just a little, little theater. And I want to say, like, in a run of, like, two years, I probably did four shows there. And there's there were at least six people who were in all of those shows. (laughs) So that's also when you know, like, it's time to get out. Like, that's it. But uh, Well, and, like, there's certain, you know, Joe, you didn't really have to audition after a certain point, right? Like, you were just sort of offered parts, right? So, like, there's there's the reliable talents, like, that that can come through. And, like, hey. I didn't want to commit time anymore. I was like, ah, maybe I'll do it. But if I could get called in three weeks before a performance and not have to do six weeks of rehearsal, oh, that was the best. Like, you come in, you do, like, one scene. I, you know, I I was in Arsenic and Old Lace twice, I think. Like, just whatever you need, you know. (laughs) Roll in. uh, uh, Neil Sive done, like, six Neil Simon plays. It's just whatever. They're like, oh, we need a guy. Like, you know, can you, you know. Um, but that's always the greatest thing. Yeah. yeah. After a point where you're just like, we can call on that guy. He's around. So, yeah. <laughs> David, what about you? So you you uh, obviously did MASH together, but what, what else have you uh, done in the theater? MASH was my first play ever. Uh, had no uh, aspirations to go to, to do much, but just kind of fell into it. Uh, did a couple play, a couple more in high school and then, and then in college. Um, there was no theater program where I went to, where I went to, university but uh there was a theater group so um did a i don't know five or six shows there and was backstage on some of them and um that was a good time and then i did uh i did uh geez one one the one community theater show in germantown pennsylvania and it was arsenic and all nice and <laughs> sooner or later everybody's got to do uh, it everyone's <laughs> in it and um and then, uh, and then Joe and I, uh, Joe, I was in one show in in Scranton with that group, yeah. uh, but that was not affiliated. I like it was just we we put we put the show on. Yeah, we just put the show. on. I mean, you know, whoever you know, the producers and you were were it was, making it. I was just I was I was offered a part. I think <laughs> so. I uh, I came in that one summer. Yeah. And that, but then so yeah. Beyond that, I haven't yeah I haven't been on a on a theater stage in uh, twenty years. I mean, is well, it time less, for a comeback? Could be. Get ready. Might be. I mean, yeah. look at Dave Munchak is too modest to, to tell you, but to this day, uh, when this comes up, uh, when he was in college, uh, they did uh, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, and Dave Munchak was so devastatingly good in that show that, like, I tell, I still tell this to people. Uh, like, it, it's it's incredible. It was Go beyond on. me. I wish Go there was on. a video of that because that play was amazing. Yeah, where's that video? 
astoundingly I, uh, in right uh, next the five, in the same box. The five, it's next to mash the five <laughs> shows i did that i had like a meaningful part in college over four years uh and all of the tapes were lost like, oh. like it was and then but and then how to succeed that was when and we had dynamic camera on that one like we had we had a shooting crew and all that like kind of like in the at the front of at the foot of the stage yeah and and the originals got like got uh, i i think the whoever shot it got into a car accident totally the car <laughs> oh god the, the with the tapes got, inside oh no the tapes inside it was done i was like the one fucking show i want a copy of like uh. But like, and then, or others, we didn't record, you know, we didn't tape them. So yeah. it was, you know, late nineties, but we weren't, none of the, none of the cool, like, uh, communications people wanted to like tape our shows, I guess. Well, at least yeah. you so, still have Joe to tell the tale. I'm yeah, still spreading the, spreading yeah. the truth. The, the, the legend. It's so, the, the legend will grow here to tell the right. story. And I'm here to sing the song. That's the show where my friend, my friend, Kevin was, was talking, was talking like Kurt Russell the whole time <laughs> so, <laughs> that I mentioned, uh, that I, yeah. I will have mentioned on a, uh, another episode of the show. So, <laughs> that's right. but so this is whenever I can get a chance to get Dave to come do some acting. That's yeah. why, you know, we're doing, that's oh, yeah. why I do scripted episodes at all of our shows. I'm like, yeah. I need Dave to come in and play a couple parts. Get me yeah. in there. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Play a couple to like 15 parts. Everything, yeah. everything. I'm, I'm writing. I'm writing this one man show. And he's playing, you know, the entire Senate body floor. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'm excited to see where he goes. He's got with the this. range. He's got. He can it. do it. Oh. Yeah. The gentleman from Missouri will yield. <laughs> His one man, 17. Where'd that guy come from? <laughs> Incredible. And then Rodney comes in, and that's right. Yeah. Oh, Senator, uh, let me tell you something. Uh. <laughs> It's not it Alexander right, Haig as Rodney Dangerfield. It's yeah. incredible. That's pretty brave. I love it. Uh, Brent, what about you? You've got a theater background. I mean, I did theater in high school. Proud member of Troop 0241. Yeah, Ooh. I'm a lettered thespian. I had a high school letterman's jacket because I was in theater. Ooh. Oh, nice. wow. Letterman's jacket. So who did you yeah. play in Arsenic and Old Lace? I Actually, I was, you know, amazingly enough, I, missed I it. somehow missed that one. But He, play, he played Arsenic. Oh, that's yeah. the role to have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was in theater in high school and then and then uh, that was it. That was the end of my end of my career. And then I went to college to make movies and I was surrounded by a bunch of brilliant theater students that helped us make those movies. So it was That's, great. This is true. They had all the chops and John and I would just be <laughs> in the whatever. background where, where <laughs> we have the better face for behind the camera. Yeah. So yeah, that's, when we that's first, pretty much my story. When we first met uh, our freshman year at, at college, you were definitely in the movie side of things, but there was a lot of the theater world still surrounding you. You know, oh, yeah. there was... they're still pulling at me. I was singing a lot in singing the car. a lot of rent, singing a lot oh, of rent. Gosh. I... We all know rent here, guys. Come, Come on. That... <laughs> so much rent singing. Let's do it's it. Like Five, in... six, seven, eight. <laughs> it's like embarrassing how much rent I think back on it when I'm singing in the car now still and i think of those days where i tortured everybody who was in the car with me with my it wasn't so much torture it was just i was shocked because <laughs> you just did not seem like a theater guy and i you know theater wasn't a big thing where where i grew up and and uh in new york in new york no, well, i don't have theater there know, not when, we my really little, have a lot of theater never heard of theater in new york <laughs> 
You, yep. you, you stand on a Nailed stage that one, John. and pretend to be someone? What is this? <laughs> I haven't heard of this. Why don't you get a job like a milk farmer? Sorry. <laughs> Please continue. You have all the credibility I in didn't, the world. Right I now. didn't grow up in the city, all right? All right. In the suburbs theater, not as huge where I was. But um, yeah, when when the moment you we got in your car and we're driving around Santa Fe and and you put in like, you know, a CD and I'm expecting whatever, <laughs> but not expecting rent to come on. And then you dive in like 120% yeah. on it. <laughs> I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm hitting the high notes, hitting the low notes. I'm playing every character. Angel. Yeah, yeah it doesn't matter. Tom. Yeah, Tom, 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 all of them. Every and there's that whole song about Santa Fe, too. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was on repeat. That's why you <laughs> went to college there. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Definitely definitely sold it for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I was obsessed with that music. You know, I just seen it like a year earlier on Broadway, like with the original Broadway cast. Oh, it was oh, like nice. it was a huge, you know, it was like a super popular Oh yeah. Huge show. Oh, was and so that senior year I was in varsity choir as well. And so like it was just like everybody obsessed with it. And I had not been away from school long enough yet uh, to realize how ridiculous it was to sing in your car in front of people you didn't know. <laughs> a whole two disc uh, recording of the, you know, original. Those, those drives text. from Albuquerque to Santa Fe were, were real long sometimes. <laughs> Just yeah. taking the long route all the time. But the funny <laughs> yep. thing was, the funny thing was like, so this was all our, our film, you know, film department friends. Like our school was mostly, for the most part, was divided into film at, at one end of campus and the theater all the way at the opposite end of campus. And it was like, you know, yeah. the sharks well, and, and then the, the jets. But... And then there was the, the art department and music and there was one medical school student. Yeah, like, one student. One, uh, Hey, what are medical you, school. What are you doing here? Yeah. So we had, so we did, you know, theater was, was, did become a big part of our college life because half of our friends were in the theater and we we're always seeing shows and, you know, whatever shows that they were doing, they would do what, like yeah. two a semester or something? Something like that. Yeah. I should ask wow. my wife since she was there for all that, but she was there. Well, they did, but even more than that was the, like, kind of the improv group that they would, yeah. I forget what we called them at the, time there was a few uh, different ones yeah i remember the high school one that i was in but anyway the whatever the they would perform that like what once a once or twice as well yeah yeah there was a bunch of smaller you know smaller comedy groups and smaller theatrical performances in the in a smaller theater but um yeah so uh, but so that as what well, go ahead david no i was gonna say like so like so that so your exposure came to like you you ran with that crowd of of like your movie yeah. crowd, but then you had your theater friends, and then would you go to like their their theater parties? Like, oh would yeah, you go to oh yeah, the big party yeah. after the show. Absolutely, yep, yeah, hundred percent. Because I'll say like the the I Saturday. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I'd typically just throw a big party for everybody. Yeah, was... just just bring all your friends. That's just come on over. Well, the school the school only had like a thousand people, so you know, like. And that at less than that on campus. So <laughs> yeah. it wasn't hard to throw a party where you saw a lot of the same people from yeah. felt very, felt very small town. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, I was going to say like the, the Saturday night live, like uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda um, 
a crucible cast party sketch where they it's a it's a musical sketch i don't that that's like anyone who did high school theater (laughs) absolutely understands every beat of that song and that sketch (laughs) and it's just it's so perfect and it's very you know and and i mean you know tons of people do plays in in high school and only so they might have like a little some like you know Mm -hmm. idea of it but i mean it's very relatable i think i don't know i don't know joe what do you think was yeah no yeah like yeah. that's there's always like the one cool kid and then there's always the one that like no no one knows he's gay and there's always oh, yeah. like you yeah. know the one like I, the superstar and then the one who's really knowledgeable <laughs> i i didn't see that but i'll have to check that out but i kind of felt oh. that way about this movie is like it kind of reminded me quite a bit of those days back in high school like performing and running around behind sta- backstage and trying to make it all work in front of you know like without it there being a huge some sort of debacle that would unfold in front of the audience. You know, like that's the one that's, that's one of the main takeaways I took from this movie. I was like, Oh yeah, that reminds me of, I remember that show we did. Yeah. We, it was very similar. This, this, this vibe. Like it's a real extreme example, but like, I think that's sort of how, I mean, I saw this movie before I was ever doing plays, but not by much. Right. So it's, a, it's still basically around the same time. This movie comes out in 92 and I probably saw it on TV right after that. Mm-hmm. But like once you start doing shows and then this is you, you know, this exists, you're like, oh, like you can kind of see all the archetypes and like, you know, the, this is how this group comes together. Yeah. And then and then once you do plays for any amount of time and yeah, there's just spectacular problems that go on or whatever's happening backstage is always just informs everything so much that I think this is how that movie really comes out, you know. I was uh, <laughs> I only acted once in a play and it was in third grade and I played P.T. Barnum in a play about Barnum and Bailey circus. Now I'm pretty sure I have seen the video of that. It's Oh no. <laughs> it's amazing. I, I I'm pretty sure I've, I've got it. Uh, Beautiful. I've got, th- I had three lines. That was it. I was like, I came in, it's, a- it's like, it's about Barnum and Bailey, but Barnum is like not really in it. You know, it's like, it's kind of like waiting for Godot. You know, oh, a little bit oh. like that. But then I show up at the end, and I have like three lines, and then the play ends. So <laughs> that was perfect for me. So that was Let the beginning and end of circus. my career. <laughs> we shall form a circus. <laughs> <laughs> Bring on the elephants! <laughs> Bring on the freaks! Um, well, like, yeah, that the, the second act that we'll get into of the movie, like that. Once, yeah, you do enough theater, like. I can't pinpoint an exact moment, but when like when they accidentally do something that benefits the show going out, mm-hmm. out in the front of the house, where they go like, "Oh my god!" and he happened to say it exactly when they needed to say it, and they're like, yeah. "Like, I think every, I think most people, if you've done enough theater, like has that feeling of like, oh god, that worked out. Like something worked yeah. out that shouldn't have worked out. And mm-hmm. There's like yeah. this minor miracle that always goes on to like pull yeah. off a production. I remember I was doing um. I don't want to keep, I'm going to keep doing this if we don't, if you don't cut me off though, but I was doing a production. We're doing the importance of being earnest and there's a part backstage. I'm playing Jack and I'm backstage and I'm supposed to be looking for something. And all I'm supposed to be doing is muttering and making noise. So you can hear Jack is looking for something, but I think the dialogue is loud enough that it's covering up what I'm saying, but I'm pretty loud and this theater is pretty small. So at one point I'm looking for a handbag or something. And I'm going, where's the handbag? Where's that? And I just go fucking handbag. And this is, you know, the importance of being earnest is set in 1870. But the the dialogue had died just at that moment. So as I say that, the crowd erupts <laughs> like, to the point that then I was like ashamed afterwards. So, like, so that was that was it. what happened. Couldn't time it if you tried. I, no, could never have done it again. So. Yeah. 
So anyway. so this movie though, Noises Off, I I had never heard of it. Like I'd never heard of the movie. I I knew of the play, but didn't know anything about the film. And so this is a whole, I, I'm the, I think Brent and I are the new ones to this. Uh, yeah. I'm, this I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed to say having been a, a theater student in high school when this would have released that I never saw this, like it would have totally been in the wheelhouse, but never, never saw it. Like until this week when I was watching it to, to get ready, I had heard of it. I had heard of it because I knew that it was a play prior, prior uh, to that, that I had heard about, but, but yeah, never, never saw it. Kind of flew under the radar though at the time. So I mean, you yeah. know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a hit. People weren't talking about it. It was probably in and out of theaters. Oh, the, we'll you know, we'll talk about it weeks. when we get to box office glory. So yeah, it's like glory. There were no songs in it that I could sing in my car. Unlike right. Aladdin, which was also insanely <laughs> pop, which was insanely popular that year. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but the, I mean, the whole concept of this is really fascinating. You know, it, it's it's you're taking a look, at least in the film, and correct me, Joe, we'll get into the, the actual play in a second, but the film, you're looking at the, the play from three different uh, time periods, right? The first one is sort of the, is it the final rehearsal, right? It's like... Yeah, it's the tech slash dress rehearsal. Yeah, the dress, yeah. 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 So you're looking at the rehearsal that, you know, Michael Caine is the director and he's, you know, we're seeing his point of view as he's watching from the audience and, and we're seeing the first kind of run through of it. And then we see it in what city are they in? They're in, they're in Florida, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Right. Florida. Yep. Yeah. And so we see, you know, the play in full motion. Right. And then when but, it comes, but yeah, but from, but from the reverse, but from behind, from backstage. From backstage yeah. So we're seeing, the chaos that is erupting behind the uh behind the scenes and then the third act is we see like a much varied version of the of the play in its later stage when it's back in new york and right oh no, no i think cleveland. it's right about it's right cleveland. about to go to new york yeah, yeah. It's yeah. the framing device is new york but that's right, right. yeah um, so we see like how much it's changed and their performances have changed and based on the dramas that are happening amongst the cast members. And it's, it's fascinating. It's because it, it's, you know, it's very true of like what, what you're, there's a completely different story being told behind the, you know, the stage than what the audience is always seeing. Right. So it was, yeah. it was a fascinating, fascinating movie. And um, then finding out that Peter Bogdanovich directed it, I was floored. Floored, right? Yeah, isn't that amazing? It doesn't. It doesn't wow. really feel like a Bogdanovich. Film. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, not yeah. at all. But at the time, I don't know. You know what? The, if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but yeah, I feel like there's directors who are just kind of slumming it in, at certain periods, right? And I mean, Bogdanovich never really comes back and becomes a great director after his early years. No. But like Altman directed all of those weird plays in the '80s, the play movies, you know. Yeah. So I wonder if like that's just like. You get out of the 70s and how great the send your money in 70s and do whatever you want. And then it's like blockbuster 80s. And it's like, well, I'm going to go film some plays, you know, <laughs> like maybe that was just it. So. Yeah. yeah. What about you guys? Uh, when did you first uh, catch on to Noises Off? 
Uh, Joe, I think you showed it to me. Oh, is that true? I I feel like I, I, yeah, I don't know. Either that or you were talking it up and then I might've caught it like on WPIX or something, but I felt like it was on TV all the time and that's how I saw it. But I don't remember, I don't remember the first time I saw it distinctly. It was just then like, it's so zany and it's so wild that if you catch any couple minutes of it, you're like, I got to see what the hell this is, you know, but I have this, this is part of, I have this theory, but we'll get into the whole theory later. But <laughs> I think for the longest time, I thought this was a TV movie because like mm-hmm. figure 92, I'm paying attention to movies and theaters by 92. Yeah. And I don't remember this coming out at all. So because there's so many TV stars in the movie, I think I just mm-hmm. thought it was a TV movie. Like it was like an HBO movie or like a Showtime mm-hmm. movie or something. And that that's how I ended up seeing it. Well, but, yeah, a lot of those actors and we'll get into each of the cast members in a, in a little bit, but yeah, are either um, have shifted from features into the tele, you know, TV movie world, like Christopher Reeves specifically, uh, or, you know, were already established t- TV people or had current shows on the air, like John right. Ryder or Mary Lou Henner. Right. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I don't remember, yeah. I don't remember oh. like showing it to, I mean, I probably, it would make sense because it was the kind of thing that like, oh, you don't know about this. You've got to see this thing. Yeah. But, um, but as far as like how I ever ran across it, I don't really, I really don't know. I, I, I feel like it was on TV a lot, but it was either, you know, one of those, like it's on HBO in the afternoon or it was like WPIX or WWOR, something like oh, that. And it was just on, those, you know, those channels just, they were the best. They were the best. They were the oh, best. We yeah. didn't have them in Texas. I'm oh. No, but you had your version of it. So those, those were like, you know, the afternoon movie channels, but they had also mm-hmm. run when we were younger. The, those are the channels that ran all the afternoon cartoons, your Transformers, yeah. G.I. Joe, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then they they'd run. Benny, did they do Benny Hill late at night? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. 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 That was. <laughs> I want to say that was WWOR. Maybe that. Had I think Benny that's Hill, true. But yeah. And it's like 1230. Like it was, yeah. it was yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, WWOR uh, ran Mets games and yeah. uh, WPAX ran Yankees games. But that was like right. the, the tri-state area. Yeah. Channel, yeah. So. Yeah. And then if you're lucky, you could get WGN from Chicago. And oh, yeah. Then, mm-hmm. so, you get Cubs games. Forget about it. <laughs> That's right. Right. Yeah. You don't need anything and then I forget else. What, what was the Phil? There was a Philadelphia channel. I, this is boring for everybody. But remember, there was a Philadelphia channel. No, they love like this PIX. stuff. They love this stuff. This they is what people this. come from. Yeah. Yep. The Philadelphia version was also through, great. David yeah. and I <laughs> once went through the channel listings. Like, what? <laughs> what was your channel two? What was your yeah. channel three? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We spent yeah. a good 25 minutes on that. I think we've done that, people love that conversation like three different times. It's the most, yeah. downloaded, it's the most downloaded episode we have. <laughs> Animal it's my House. favorite there conversation to have. What's your channel? Yeah. yeah. What was on your 15? Third, third episode of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about local, <laughs> local cable television uh, <laughs> channels. Um, all right. Well, let's the hot start. Hot start. Let's talk a little bit about the play itself that originated the film. Uh, it's written in 1982 by Michael Frayn, uh, who's a, a British playwright. Joe, what what do you know about the uh, the play? I feel like you're going to have the knowledge here. Yeah, so I I went back and read the play, the play itself, and as you can imagine, if you've seen you, I mean, you've all seen play scripts. Play scripts aren't super long; it's just a lot of dialogue. Noises Off is a really big script because there's so much, there's so many things that you would need to know to pick up a script and put this show on, right? Um, and so so I read the Noises Off script just because I was curious what was actually in there, and it's. 
Um, it's, I mean, it's almost the same, right? Like the, it, the movie, the plot, the dialogue is such this intricate little clockwork thing that you need everything to fit where it does. So they couldn't really change much in putting it on. The only real difference is with the play they, they do in the movie, they add the framing device where, um, Michael Caine's character Lloyd is, is doing this narration basically to drag you along. But, but yeah, the play, um, it's set in England. It was a British farce. So all of that is different. It is, it, there's a lot of British references in it. You know, it's not like they're working to get to Broadway. They're just working to get the show on the road. I don't even know if there's really references to taking it to the West end. Like if the goal is to get it to London, I feel like in the play, it's very much just kind of like we're putting on this touring show and it's just kind of to make money. Like it's just, it's just, you know, play. Um, but the script is really interesting because the script comes with, the program essentially if you put the show on you should use the program for the play they're putting on and so that gives you all of this oddball backstory to all the characters which i think is actually kind of neat i don't know if this i guess this would go here this is kind of what yeah. this is but um but so in the in the program of the script the play itself is called nothing on so i think it's just the play on the play is called nothing on and the movie's called noises off the the, the overall the play in the play right mm. and so the thing with the noises with the nothing on script, it's got a bunch of fun production notes that are, this would all just be published in the playbill essentially. And so there's like what company is providing the sardines it's sardines or by sardine services. You know, it's just basic <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Um, and a it's lot like of where, sardine talk in this, in there's this, a uh, there's sardines. a lot of sardines. Yeah. Uh, um, there's a reference. There's a, uh, the company that provides Brooks contact lenses. Cause there's so much with her contact lenses. So mm -hmm. I think it's just kind of a cute little thing to throw in so that if you're going to the show and you read this ahead of time, you're like, Oh, that's kind of neat, you know? But one of the things that I think actually, it doesn't change things, but it was, it puts a different color on part of the plot. Now this is really nuts and bolts noises off stuff here, but like, again, because the show, the original play isn't like we're working to take the show to Broadway it's sort of like needs to explain why it exists a little bit. And so there's references in the movie to Dottie has money in the play, right? The Carol Burnett's character is like half producing this show. Mm -hmm. So what you learn in the, in the, the bios for nothing on is that she's this big TV star who's been on a show called on the zebras for like a decade. And her character on that is called Mrs. Hackett. And her character in nothing on is Mrs. Clackett. So this whole thing is kind of just a ripoff of her TV character in a way. And they're just trying to build on that notoriety, right? Uh, the whole play is also produced by uh, a company called European Breweries, which is just thrown in. It's not in the movie anywhere. It's just that like, oh, well, you know, European Breweries threw some money into the production of this. And you find out through the course of this that like Brooke, her big claim to fame is she did a beer company, a beer commercial for European breweries. So that's why she's in the show. Uh, Poppy's father is the chairman of the European breweries company. And this is her first job. And that's why she's in the thing. Uh, Gary also was a cast member of On the Zebras. And his character on that show was like this Don Juan for Mrs. the Mrs. Hackett character. So that's why they have kind of a relationship. But like all of this is just in the program, you know? So like if you so went to wild. see the play and you didn't read it, it doesn't, you don't need it. But then it does add this oddball layer of all oh, this yeah. other stuff that's in there, you know. That would have um, been cool to see in the film too. To know you that you think they could have used 
a little Something. bit of it, right? Yeah. Because it's not a long movie, and no. they don't add Quite much short. except for those little things. So if they had just done some sort of montage opening credits or something to kind of hint at, like, this is where these people are coming from, uh, I think that would have been something. But, um, but yeah, the script uh, is, is, is very similar. Like, it, it does follow a lot of the same beats. I think that's why the play in the play, they're British, even though the, the accents kind of slip around a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But... But it is, I think, this is part of my other theory, is this thing where all of the characters that are in the play in the play are TV actors. And so then when they make the movie here, the fact that there are so many TV actors in that, I don't know if this is supposed to be a commentary on TV acting as opposed to theater acting, but but that is sort of the inference, right? Huh. So, And I think that there is something to that. And when they put the show on in England the first time in 1982, most of the cast were TV stars from England. So now this doesn't uh. this doesn't carry over to Broadway. They they did change the cast by then, but uh, Patricia Rutledge was the star of the original show. She starred on Keeping Up Appearances, which was this huge British sitcom. Um, Roger Lloyd Pack was in it, who was a big star from Only Fools and Horses and uh, The Vicar of Dibley. Um, Paul Eddington was in it, who was in the Yes Minister show. So like these are big big TV stars mm-hmm. in England, and that's the cast they put together for the original play. So. There's something there, and none of that is in the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not really. You know, no, it, it's not. It's um, it really, it's sort of a bare bones version of it. I mean, right. The movie yeah. itself is. We're really just. <clears throat> it's not a complicated movie, I think, for a director because you're basically letting the actors go. You know, you're letting them do like their thing, and you're pointing the camera at them. And then there's, you know, in the beginning and the end, there's a couple camera moves and that's it. Well, yeah. yeah and they're, and they're, they're like performing the same bits kind of over and over again, over I mean, and over and over. Yeah. You're just, yeah. you're seeing it from different perspectives, but it's, it's yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting. I think that the harder part is going to be cutting a movie like this together and keeping that energy and all the many different stories that are going on you know, keeping yeah. that flowing. Right. But... but I feel like, I feel like if you saw that live on stage, that would play a lot better than yeah. the movie. Like in, like as a stage show to me, like to see them perform that is like a sense of accomplishment, you know, yeah. cause that mm-hmm. takes a lot of choreography, a lot of timing. And like, it's super delicate. Everything's really frenetic, very fast. Like you can't, miss a beat right or it, it kind of throws everything out of whack whereas like in in the film version like they portray that but like you know as an audience member like you're sitting there watching and it's like they've got training wheels on like you can like how many takes do they do that in and right you know it's more about editing so that you can kind of get that pacing and whatnot so that it still plays right but i think like the real power of the show like the real like kind of wow factor is pulling that off live right right? Right. and so like not seeing it on stage i think you know it 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 detracts from the overall experience pretty greatly well that's why i think these kind of madcap farces don't get made into movies very often because for that exact reason like it doesn't have the same sort of energy right but i mean and that's the thing with the script is that the first act and the third act are just straight through because it's just the play from the front. But the second act in the script is so long because they have columns 
where what's happening backstage has to be happening at the same time as this that's happening on stage. Right. And so that's this whole act. And if you were to pick this script up and be like, we're going to put this show on, like, it's so intimidating. Like, why would you, you know, beyond the fact that the set is so complicated that you never see it done. Like, I've never seen this on stage. You know, and I live in Chicago. Everything gets done here sooner or later. Um, but you just, people don't tend to do it because you need this giant rotating set. Yeah. So you need a theater big enough for that. And this isn't a musical. So you kind of need to, you know what I mean? Like what, how are you going to get that audience in now? Maybe that noises off is like known somewhat, but it's still not Phantom of the Opera, you know? So, right. right. Yeah. The, going back to, to the second act, it's really interesting watching the movie. If you listen you know, you see like everything's just kind of going off the rails, right? A bit from behind the scenes that yeah. there's all this personal stuff going on between everybody. Everyone's got issues with each other and they're starting to screw up the timing of what's happening on stage. And it's, I, I remember specifically when John Ritter's out on stage, like you can hear him like calling for like a cue, you know, yeah. and nobody's coming and you just hear him like improving you know as the in character like you know trying to to buy time which you know you would and that that's what actors would do in that situation if someone misses their cue right. but it's it's so so fascinating there's a lot of little a lot of little intricacies and detail work in those performances in the movie i mean i i think all of their performances were fantastic in the movie and i'm sure on i i now i really want to see it uh you know as as a play but um yeah yeah you know, i'd the, love to see this as a play i think it'd be bananas yeah <laughs> yeah well, i think that was that was one thing we lost from the pandemic is that they were finally doing it somewhere in the suburbs and we were going to go but it was literally like uh, March. it was literally like late march or something like late <laughs> april of 2020 and so like oh, no. we had tickets and then they, they canceled everything oh so, uh, no so that's the only time i ever got close i've never seen it so. the, yeah the, that second act is such a dance in the backstage that mm -hmm. it does lose something that you even like You'd really have to to to, to get because like the bottle, for instance, the bottle that keeps traveling yeah. back and forth and all that, like to do that so smoothly because like yeah, seeing that live would be amazing, right? Because it's just constantly moving between all these things while all these antics are going on. You'd have to shoot it so precisely so that the the audience can really tr travel with the bottle, like, and I think it's done. Yeah it's done more or less fine, but it, you do start to lose track of like, what are, what are all the things you need to keep track of that are going on Yeah, because it's, because it's just a movie. Like you couldn't, you know, you'd have to spend a, a, a few more weeks shooting that backstage stuff to really find a way to like take the audience through the traveling, like for each shot. Right. Yeah. It's just a, it's, it's, it's so madcap and wild, but it's, you know, you can, you can sustain your, your attention to it, but it's, um, yeah, it certainly loses something as, as a, as a movie. Like, I feel, just, you know, I feel like if they were going to make it now, I'd like to see it all done in like one shot. Yeah. yeah. You know, like do, yeah. do, do if that. There's a way to like, fluidly just to, follow it. Yeah, yeah. To match, to match that choreography. If you were seeing it live, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that would be your best, your best bet at being able to try and capture that. It's uh well like and I mean what did you guys well I mean yeah I, I was gonna say like what did you guys think of like the say like the first act where it's just really it's all actors being actors like yeah and, and like I mean, actor stereotypes and all of that just, and, like I was cackling your... like I was just cackling the whole time <laughs> you're getting your bearings with everybody right like you, yeah. you're seeing because there's two stories there's the play and then there's 
the stories storyline with all the actors behind the scenes. So you're learning like the dual relationships that everybody has. Right. So yeah, I mean the first the first act is super important. It's the first time you're seeing it. And uh yeah, like trying to you learn like, okay, this is what everyone's timing is supposed to be. And this is what everyone's like if it goes well, what where they should be and when they should be doing it. And we see that all go off the rails in the other the other acts. But yeah. Well, I mean, even even during the first, I mean, even during if we're talking about when you say the first act, we're talking about the the rehearsal, the, the rehearsal, yeah. like yeah. it's yeah. off the rails already. I mean, Michael Caine's the only one in there, like, like trying to beat into everybody what the point of the whole deal is, yeah. you know, yeah. and it's like doors and sardines or whatever his line is, <laughs> you know, like, it's like, you know, and so but everybody else like has no idea what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Like they seem completely clueless. I mean, yeah. the cast is, yeah, it, it's pretty funny. <laughs> when like, when we never, were, I, when we were watching it, my wife said, uh, this is a play about doors. Yeah. That's it. Oh, it's it all is. doors. Yeah. Door slamming farce. That's yep. it. Yeah. <laughs> did your, did your wife enjoy it? I'm assuming she must've gotten some, yeah. some joy from being thrown. The yeah. Theater. I think the preference is the play over the movie, you know, that, sure. that you know, the movie's not adding much to what the play already is yeah has she yeah. seen the had she seen the the play yeah yeah oh okay well then yeah, yeah then yeah so, then the movie's ruined on her <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but that, that's okay yeah i mean the big thing for me in watching the movie was just really enjoying all of these actors performances because they're all they've all got a lot to do and maybe is now the time we should go down this amazing cast? I think I it mean, is. We should, right? We should. Because it is amazing. It. And seeing them again reminded me how I missed some of them quite a bit. Yeah. Oh, to yeah. see John oh, yeah. Ritter again and oh, to yeah. see Christopher yeah. Reeve. You know, yeah. I mean. And there was a lot of almost, you know, almost as far as casting goes. Um, yeah. Peter Bogdanovich offered the, the Dottie role originally to Audrey Hepburn. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. I think, I mean, she's an, an, a legend as far as being an actress, but I think Carol Burnett's actually the better choice. Oh, I yeah. think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, clearly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Also, yeah. I think by that point, Audrey Hepburn was almost dead so I, yeah, I don't know how, it was, how effective she would have been in her yeah. later years doing Audrey that Hepburn, sort of comedy like like uh, t- 10 maybe 15 years prior maybe but yeah um annie potts oh, was Car- actually originally was cast to play belinda blair and i think she got in a car accident and uh was recast uh that's mary lou henner um john gilgood was going to play selsden was offered the role of selsden i think he turned it down <laughs> <laughs> so, <Selsen. yeah. laughs> <Where's Selsen? laughs> and then a couple of these guys have worked together already michael kane and christopher reeve were in another uh uh play turned into a film in death trap yeah. and mm-hmm. michael kane and den Elliott elliot were were in the movie alfie together so a lot of hey. uh intermingling here but uh carol burnett i mean she's awesome yeah oh. uh she's always a joy i loved her i uh, i loved her show like she's had multiple comedy show yeah. variety shows right and i uh i loved her shows um growing up and like her just, just everything she brings 
is she, her timing is just beautiful like and yeah. she is very theatrical right it's very stagey yeah. the way she but i mean she obviously she can she can act and she does fine on and in tv and movies and whatever but like just to play a bigger than life character like that's exactly who you need like she's exactly she's exactly perfectly dotty right yeah like, right that, that's and she just casting has she just always looked exactly the same yeah like when <laughs> yeah. was the carol burnett show because she looked exactly yeah. the same. like she still looks exactly the same the carol burnett show i think started as... like 23 years or something before this like, yeah. it was way I mean, before, it's like so. what it was like yeah. the late 60s into the yeah. early 70s i think and that yeah. was with tim conway and harvey yeah. Corman. oh that was and that great was great show, but... great yeah. crazy yeah, yeah. the they, carol they... burnett show still holds up like it's 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 way over the top for a variety <laughs> show but it's it's still really funny yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah because they write these like they they write like these just like, like these really strong premise like sketches and and just commit so hard to them yeah and that cast was so, um, so unbelievably good like yeah that they, they oh, just man. made That's each other a, funnier and then she Conway's had another another one oh Tim Conway's that great <laughs> but like didn't and I think Carol Burnett had another another show in the eighties I think another sketch show right? yeah there was uh, there was I think she's more? had a few um the, yeah. there was the one closest to this was called Carol and Company which I think only went a few years, but you know, it was a lot of the same kind of almost like a variety show type, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that she kept trying to do. And I think as time was going on, there was not, the audiences weren't, weren't looking for that as much uh, after the sitcoms of the eighties got popular. And um, so just time, time was changing, but, but she was still around. I mean, she did a couple of guest shots on Magnum PI that were stellar. <laughs> <laughs> but she was an old theater person from way back too so i think that's yeah. why tying into this like she was doing musicals in the 60s i think like yeah once upon a mattress and stuff yeah. like that oh, and yeah. then yeah. right around the time i don't remember exactly the year but right around it wouldn't right after noises off she was in moon over buffalo was another big stage farce show and there's actually a really good documentary that they made about the making of that show that's called i think moon over broadway mm-hmm. and it was like her and philip bosco but it's like a really interesting like you know how they staged this sort of crazy play with you know established you know actors and stuff so it's, it's really yeah. something yeah that's cool um michael kane michael kane's in this movie guys michael who kane. had a better 1992 than michael kane oh my god noise is so off many... muppet christmas carol <laughs> <laughs> boom that's pretty when good was dirty rotten scoundrels that, that was my... like 88 i think yeah. so yeah, I love love that yeah, you know, Jaws the Revenge. Jaws 4, yeah. 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 Perfect. Yeah. Um, Why do I yeah. just get him confused in Jaws 4 with the dude from Effects and, and Cocktail? Brian, Brian Brown? Brian Brown, yeah. yeah. They both have accents. <laughs> yeah. yeah, must be. You confuse Michael Caine sim- with Brian Brown? They have a only, similar only late in, 80s only in Jaws, Only in Jaws 4. Yeah. Oh, okay. They kind <laughs> of had a similar vibe in the late 80s. Like what, yeah. what they were, kinds of movies they were doing and uh but then you know by what what was what what kind of turned michael kane back to like oscar level something in the Uh, late 90s i think oh he won the oscar for cider house rules cider house rules that's like 90 99 yeah and then he had a fallow period award wise but uh yeah yeah he did uh, michael kane has done so many movies for so long he's been around forever yeah, I mean Zulu, I think is the first movie that I recall him in, and which is an amazing, amazing film, and he's so yeah. great in it. But uh, but that was like '66 or something, and and, yeah. and he's still working now. 
And when he first came out, he made a ton. Like Alfie is right around yeah. then, and Jake he made Carter. Yeah, like he made a bunch of movies right there, yeah. and then you know into the seventies, he had a big career. I mean, for yeah. years, but and they kind of died down in the eighties with a couple. You know, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels was great, and um, yeah. then had a late late career extended comeback. So yeah, yeah, but I mean, he's he great even... here. I mean, he's so strong. He's so, yeah, I mean he's he's the he's the perfect put upon director of these of this zany crew like the you know he just comes off as the oldest and just wisest guy and yeah. just uh you know trying to handle it but yeah he's such a talent like he he can really just play anything right I mean he was and he was nominated for Alfie you know way back yeah. when and then yep. he, you know he won for Hannah and her sisters but he I think he couldn't. Uh, he was filming Jaws and he couldn't, he, he couldn't right? accept the award. Yeah, like he was, he had to play Hoagie in Jaws Force and he couldn't be at the Academy Awards. Hoagie. <laughs> so that's yeah. a true story. So, yeah. I think yeah, we got to, yeah. I think we got to come back around to the Jaws movies. Jaws was our third episode of this show. Then we yeah. have not come back to it. So, yeah. I haven't come back to. Jaws two, yeah, we should definitely. Jaws two's all right. Well, yeah. A lot of fun. I like two. Yeah. I like two a lot. It's fun. And I saw Jaws three in the theater. I remember it, ooh, it was in three D with three D glasses. Hell yeah! And, and when you see Jaws three, you got to be thinking, well, it can't get worse than this. Oh. <laughs> and then, the scariest, and then. The, the scariest moment in Jaws three in three D as a kid was uh, there's a cut to a frog on a lily pad and it jumps at you from the lily pad towards uh, the screen and that was the biggest jump scare in the whole damn thing yeah <laughs> oh no the frog oh, for jaws 4 is a very special movie for me i like i you know seeing it when i was seven super afraid of sharks we've discussed this uh sure <laughs> but i like loved jaws 4 and then the nintendo came came out oh oh yeah i was all over it. that so it's uh it's fine. I think we said this on the last episode that that was the first time I had done a uh, reconsinimation where I didn't have a t-shirt of the movie. I don't have a t-shirt for this either, but I do have t-shirts for three of the four Jaws movies. <laughs> and awesome. I, Sarah got me one for some reason that's uh the my Jaws four shirt is it's like it's like a checkbox. It's like single checkbox, single taken, and then the third one is too busy watching Jaws the Revenge, and that's what it is. And I was just like, why does this shirt exist? <laughs> so, but it's for wow. you. It yeah. exists for you. Yeah, oh, that's it. My, my I forgot to have a life. I was too busy watching Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, we've also got Denholm Elliott in the film in his final uh, on-screen performance before he he passed away in '92. Hmm. Um, so did later he, this year, did he, did he pass away like right after this? Or yeah, yeah, yep, uh, he did. So it was uh, uh, it's good to have him uh, on the show. We we you know obviously in two of the Indiana Jones films was yeah. uh, amazing and also trading places, just great actor who underappreciated toy yeah. soldiers, toy soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and he's great here. He's just like, he's kind of he silly and over the top, but uh, it's just great. I like uh, that. He smells. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can I feel a funny gig. You he's can deaf, feel how he's drunk. drunk. He is. He's yeah. deaf, drunk, and smells. And smells. <laughs> I think that's a funny gag that he smells. But it's like well. great with like when he comes on stage and he's not like it's a surprise. He's terrible because he's like drunk and he's kind of whatever. But then when he comes on on time, he's perfect. You yeah. know, yeah. like he mm -hmm. just comes in and he's great. Yeah. yeah. Like, and that's just that character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've got Julie Haggerty, who is uh, you know from Airplane, and uh, she's coming off. What about Bob? 
Oh. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Our favorite, Richard Dreyfus. Uh, yes, he is. Yes. Very <laughs> yep. much so. Moon over Parador's Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> I think that's that a is track. a gift. <laughs> Keeps on giving. <laughs> but uh, she's, uh, you know, she's got a. They a all, I, and I keep saying it, they yeah. all have challenging roles, but like she doesn't even have dialogue in the first, you know, ha- what, half of the movie? Yeah. yeah. Most of the movie, really, because in act two, they're not they're they're not talking either because right like you wouldn't backstage but uh <laughs> so much said without dialogue and that is very difficult yeah she really doesn't have a lot to do and it is kind of that, that thankless you know part but her face is so great whenever they cut to her and she's either like just mad or like she's jealous and like yeah. that's all she has but she's terrific like the face acting just the, yeah. the takes she gives are so good <laughs> Um, Mary Lou Henner, uh, come, who's, uh, I think starring in evening shade at this point, but also just done LA story. And of course, taxi years prior to that. And, um, you know, uh, we're, uh, we're sleeping on Johnny dangerously again. We're sleeping. Okay. That's right. Johnny dangerously. <laughs> Great Johnny dangerously. Yeah. <laughs> Love Johnny dangerously. We're, we're not going to talk so... about that till we do a whole episode on it. Oh, fair. Yeah. Fair. We have to, yeah. That's yeah. a reserve for a oh, come yeah. slot. So, so we got yeah. <laughs> But like Mary Lou Henner, like I love her character as just the upbeat actress, stage actress, and just yeah. like yeah. what's great is like I mean it's such a it's a well it's a well done script right from the, from the original thing where you know you have to inject so much personality into each character and and establish it like really quickly because and then so you can establish the dynamic so it's like you know Michael Caine's the put the put upon guy. Dot, uh, Dottie, uh, Carol Burnett is, you know, he, she's just this confused TV actress who's sort of always been taken care of. And then, you know, uh, and then Mary Lou Henner's just the bright, shining energy person. Uh, and, and, and as we get into all the, and then sells in, of course, the, the, the stinking drunk. Um, yeah. and like, but like it, it just goes to show how solid the script is that if you put the right talent on, on these characters, you're getting like the performances just like are. You know, it's like I. It's again. It's just enjoying actors acting, and like that's, like I'll watch. I'll watch anything uh, that uh, that challenges the actors, even if it's not like necessarily like a a good a good project. Because um, what's his name uh, from the the West Wing? Who did the West Wing? Alan Ball? No, who wrote that? <laughs> Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron Sorkin. Sorkin. Ball. Yeah. yeah, close. Aaron Sorkin. Very close. Aaron also Sorkin projects may be hit or miss, but boy, does he make those actors work? Yeah. So. Uh, those are always fun for me. The thing with Belinda that I thought I didn't mention this because it, it, it didn't relate to the other big part, but the Belinda's bio in the, in the play, in the play is that she was a former child actress, but like a child stage actress and then like a dancer. And you're like, well, that makes sense. That's perfect. That's exactly the character. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) anyway, yeah, she loves a tech rehearsal. (laughs) Yeah. Who doesn't? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Christopher Reeve is in this movie, returning to the show from uh, last fall when we had him on for Street Smart. Street Smart. Another great non-Superman performance by Christopher Reeve. And there's not a ton of comedy from Christopher Reeve to pick from, so pretty effective in a comedy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, by this point, you know, 1992, we talked a lot about the course of his career and his trajectory on our street smart episode you can listen to that in the archives at reconsideration.com um you know uh, 
was typecast as Superman, really struggled to find good roles outside of that that were, you know, that that would really separate him from that role. And and it was and he struggled. And and by this point, he's now doing a lot of TV, you know, made for TV movies, The Great Escape 2 being one of them. Ooh. If there was ever mm. a movie that needed a sequel. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I won't I won't say what character he's playing. I don't want to spoil anything. But yeah, doing a lot of TV movies and um, you know, so his film career was really not um not sort of not happening at this point. But um not that this would, you know, add to it, but it does it's it's a show that's the thing about this movie. It's a showcase for all for each of these actors that, you know, we'll talk about it when we get to box office glory, but what whether whether this movie did well or not, it's a great, you know, it's a great piece for each of them. Yeah. 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 They all get to shine. Yeah. Uh, uh, in their own way. It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, my personal favorite of the movie, or just maybe just joy and seeing him again, John Ritter. Oh my God. Yeah. John yeah. Ritter is so good in this movie. <laughs> He's so good. And I feel like he has, so much to do like he's yeah because yeah. i feel like he's more active than christopher reeve he's more active than mary lou henner you know he's kind of everywhere and he's doing so much and he has so much dialogue yeah right that you know and, and then by the the i guess the third the uh third act in the film you know he's with the shoelaces getting tied together he's doing a lot of jack tripper stuff going on yeah. physical oh, comedy man. Kind of seeing the best of John Ritter. Yeah. Really, really good to see him again. Yeah, in a lot of ways, like in the first act with the play, like his his character Tramplemane is so in the middle of everything. Like him showing up is what kicks off everything. And right. then he's all then Gary is central to the second act. So yeah, like he's almost the star of the movie in a lot of ways right. because yeah, he yeah. is doing so much plot wise. Yeah. Yeah. Really complicated too, just like the the dialogue that he has, and then yeah, in and out of the accent, everybody's accents are like they're so bad. They're I mean they're intentionally bad. They're bad yeah. British accents. Like they're American actors all doing the British accent, but uh, that's yeah. that was a, a little joyous part of the movie was listening to the, how bad their accents could get, and Ritter's was <laughs> particularly bad. Uh, <laughs> um. Nicolette Sheridan. This there is, uh, God, what was the, uh, I think the first movie I saw her in was The Sure Thing, the Rob Reiner, John Cusack, uh, you know, 80s comedy from, from I think it was 86 maybe. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, again, also doing a lot of TV movies at this point, but would have much bigger success later on in her career. Not talking about Spy Hard. I'm talking about Desperate Housewives. <laughs> uh, when we watched when we watched this and we got to the end, Sarah goes, "That was Nicolette Sheridan." Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, that was her." Yeah, I, 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 we had to like, we had to look it up because I was like, "Why do I? Why did we even know who she was? Like, right. what was she doing?" And apparently, she was on Knott's Landing. But I was like, I didn't watch yeah. evening yeah. soap operas as a kid, so I, I had no idea. But it just like her name was just you know you knew who she was for some reason yeah. that well was, she was yeah. a, i think she was a model too so she yeah. was probably out there just a known just somewhat yeah. of a known name um it's funny so she did knots landing and now the most recent thing she's done dynasty the dynasty reboot full hey. circle yeah yeah all right <laughs> um but i'm saving the best for last because there's a special actor in this movie who i think we're all big fans of 
And he is a smaller part, but he's incredible in it. And I'm talking about Mark Lynn Baker. Yeah. The greatest Tim. Oh, yes. The great Poor Tim. Tim Allgood. Isn't that his name? Yeah. Yep. Tim Allgood. Tim Allgood. Yeah. <laughs> and just from like the minute he shows up and he's trying to, t- he's still hung up on mashing bananas. Yeah. Which is a throwaway line. Like it's just uh, yeah, yeah. so great. He's, he's almost a cartoon character. Like yeah. the mm-hmm. way, you know, because we see him in the background of so many shots. We see a lot more of him in Act Two when we see the behind the scenes. Because what what is he? What is his role? Like he's, he's technically the prop manager. Yeah, I thought he's like a stagehand or like assistant he, director. Or he's something. technically the company and stage manager, where Poppy yeah. is the assistant stage manager. Right, right, yeah. Um, but also, will pick up a small role or be an understudy. He's here. also the understudy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so is Poppy. Technically, yeah. is the understudy. Too. Yeah, Poppy's also yeah. an because they show in the last yeah. shot of the play, like they're standing in the background as police officers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're right. the cops at the end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Um, it's, it's so but he's, you know, with this whole like love triangle thing that's going on with with Michael Caine and. Um, was and Nicolette Sheridan, right? And uh, and uh, Julie Haggerty, you know, he's sent to get flowers and a bottle of booze, right? A bottle of whiskey, yeah, yeah. And and he comes back and he's the one who ends up getting it like handed off from him and it goes from person to person to person. And nobody knows who what the intention was of those, but they're all yeah. partaking in it. The way he like runs. Like his feet are like a cartoon, like the Tasmanian <laughs> devil. Like, yeah. He's even blasting out of doors in the background and just flying yeah. around. Yeah. yeah. With that, and yeah. he's so of the time period, like the hair, the white sneak, the white tennis shoes, and the oversized <laughs> jacket, you know, like, yeah. Oh, perfect oh. image. I think my favorite part for, for the longest time was my favorite part of the show is when backstage you hear Christopher Reeve's character falls down. And so on stage, they don't know what happens. And then he comes in as Tim playing that part and he's completely different. And he comes in saying it with that terrible accent. Final <laughs> Neotis. Yeah, you can't and do it. And just turns and goes, oh my God, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> wild. Oh, so good. Yeah, but he was... He's the sleeper of the movie for me. I yeah, mean, yeah. every oh, he's time great. he's on screen. And yeah. he, was he still well, on? Was, like, was Perfect Stranger still happening at this point? I think it was. I think it went to like 93. It, it was past its prime. Yeah. That was still going on in 93. Did yeah, you guys... Yeah. Let me sidetrack on Perfect Strangers for a second. So did you guys ever see... And rewind to like 2008 or nine. There was a someone made like a video game of the theme song of Perfect Strangers, and it's like you you're Balky and you go off flying you're flying through the air and as the song plays and everything the song is describing you're like hitting that in the video game, it's a masterpiece. <laughs> it's a masterpiece. <laughs> if you you is this you, real you, life? Were yeah. you, did you, <laughs> no, I didn't. Were you hallucinating? It. Yeah. Did you? <laughs> If you, you take I'm sure you funny... can find it on YouTube. Look up Perfect Strangers video game. It'll probably come up, but it is nice. hilarious. So highly okay. recommend that. Well, that's the era of like the, the theme song for 80s shows. Like yeah. we're just like these like weird ballads that have nothing to do with the, the, the yeah. show itself. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, I always thought Marklin Baker was really underrated 
Even though, yeah. like, Perfect Strangers, it's an enjoyable show, but it's not an all-time great type sitcom. But he has the most, it's that thankless part, right? Like, you're either opposite, like, a big star who's decided to come do TV or a zany, crazy character, and you've got to hold it all together. Like, yep. like yeah. my, one of my least favorite shows of all time is Two and a Half Men. But Ugh, John Cryer right is doing such hard work the entire time. Yeah. You've got to, like, you're like, you got to admire him. Like, he's trying so hard to keep that nothing thing going, you know? Yeah. All yeah. My, my negatives for Two and a Half Men, none of it is a reflection of John Cryer. Exactly. Like, he's no. holding yeah. the, whole, oh, the whole thing together. And that's uh, the thing. It's like having to play that kind of part, you know? Yeah. Like, Two Broke Girls isn't a great show, but, like, Kat Dennings shows up, and she's a star, and then Beth Bears has to do all the heavy lifting yeah. the entire series, you know? <laughs> And that's Mark Lynn Baker. Like, that was the same thing with Perfect Strangers. It's like, and I'm not saying Balky's not funny and, and he's not trying, but it's not the same thing where you have yeah. to be the straight guy, kind of, but also keep a sitcom moving, you know? Like, yeah. It's just hard. Yeah. 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 Um, so I know we probably should have done this in the beginning, but what is the, what's the actual plot of the play? We talked the about play the plot the of play? the movie. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of noises of nothing on. Of nothing on. Of nothing on. Yeah. Or of noises on. <laughs> nothing on. Sardines and doors. Sardines. Sardines and doors. I think that. What, so, how would you sum up the play in the play? Um, it's a little weird because it, it's like we never see the full thing. Yeah. You see, when Christopher Reeve's character is the owns that house, right? Like, right. He's a playwright. He's he a playwright. writes the plays in Spain. Yeah. But then he. Spine. But he's supposed Spine. to be in Spain. He I'm not in Spain, dear. He's trying to avoid. <laughs> he's trying to avoid the tax man, right? Yeah. I guess. Right. Then, Inland Revenue. Yeah. Yeah, and then, but then Gary, played by John Ritter, knows that he was away. That's why he brings his lover there. I forget why yeah, they're, they're going to use the house, right? For like, yeah, right. it's like a, a lovers. Sex comedy. Yeah. 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 And, he's like. And, and uh, Dottie is was she the maid that, or the caretaker, the or housekeeper? Or, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's not supposed to be there on Wednesdays, uh, right, or whatever. Right. So, so that's why everybody keeps showing up, thinking no one's going to be there. Selsden's the burglar. He shows up, thinking no one's going to be there. Right. Yeah. And Nicola Sheridan up with is Dottie. his daughter. <laughs> right. Right. My little girl. <laughs> yeah. And she works for Inland Revenue, which gets thrown in somewhere along the way. So yeah. that's why Gary gets all freaked out when he sees her. Yeah. <laughs> And God bless Nicola Sheridan, who had to be in her undergarments <laughs> Just, the entire yeah, the whole time, time. <laughs> the whole movie. Like, yeah. like it's, it's yikes. Like, it's, hey, I'll tell you this much. The one show me and Dave Munchak did in, in, in Scranton uh, together in person, I believe I was in, under, in my underwear for most of the second act of that show. That's true. Yeah. Who's underwear? Who's underwear was the name of that, that, <laughs> that was, farce that we put that's, It was our own farce. That was there the is no video of that. I was going to say, Joe, you're great. I think keep that video. <laughs> that, yeah. You don't need to see it. So, does not exist. So. A couple, couple people ended up. And the, yeah. that other dude, that other dude was in his underwear. That other dude was also in his. Oh, it wasn't just me. A lot of dudes yeah. in underwear. A lot <laughs> of dudes in lingerie. Came, that guy just came to the show. He was like sitting in the audience. He's like, <laughs> I want to okay. be in my underwear. We pull, <laughs> We're we, doing we, this. It's pants optional at, at our at the show. Like, oh, yeah. That That's sign. how we did MASH, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, but, uh, but yeah, like, and so, but like, that's the thing. Like, you only get to see the first act and then the very final, like, sh like, 
moment of the play so you don't you don't know what like goes on in act two of the play right, and how right. these characters get together but then you know you they get all... the fun flash at the end yeah 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 where yeah where cells yeah, where, where the, the selson character ends up with Dottie's characters yeah. thing like that like and they're all just they're all having sex in the dark yeah. and then suddenly the cops find them like oh <laughs> yeah. no what happened like what happened curtain, yeah. curtain. Yeah. But see, then that's the thing with no- with noises off is noises off is also a sex comedy because you have the the love triangle between so Lloyd the director, yeah, the, and Poppy who's the stage manager, and Burke was one of the actresses. You also have uh, Dottie who's this old actress from this TV show, and Gary who was also okay. on that TV show. But then Gary thinks she's in love with Freddie, who's Christopher Reeve, who is just another guy in the cast. Because his wife has just left him. That was this whole thing. So yeah, that's right. So it's layered sex comedy. Well, and then yeah. like and Lo- and Michael Caine, I think he, the flowers are originally for Dottie, right? So he's right. he, but so so there's probably a prior relation. There's a prior, there's a relationship there. Like so yeah. So Lloyd, Michael Caine's character was just he's been sleeping with like almost all the, the all the women in the cast. Like, yeah. At a certain point. <laughs> yeah. But and that, um, and then at the end, Dottie is pregnant. Is Dottie pregnant? Poppy's pregnant. Poppy's Poppy, pregnant. Sorry, Poppy's not Dottie. Pregnant. Yeah. Poppy's pregnant. Yeah, yeah. With, Julie uh, Haggerty's character. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the great the the way Act Two ends is there her saying she. It's like her one line. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she finally gets to tell him she's pregnant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but see, and that's the thing with the play. To come back to the play, is the play ends. The play's actually kind of bleak because the movie at least has the framing where it's like he's just worried about the play and blah blah blah. But then it almost gives the thing a happy ending in the end because he gets to yeah. say like him and Poppy are going to have this kid and they got married and blah, blah, blah. But the play ends with let's have a nice old fashioned plate of curtain. That's the, and the play ends. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's a bleak ending considering yeah. what's happened up to that point. You know? yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's that Holly. That's the Hollywood, uh, Hollywood right. uh, mark on it. Right. Yeah. Give it a little yeah. bit. And I don't, and I think, I mean, as much as audiences already rejected this, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think they would, yeah. anyone who's seen it would have really enjoyed that, uh, the actual ending. That would yeah. have been a weird movie ending. Yeah. Like the idea that it's a, the play is successful on Broadway. So it's like these, this little show that could, yeah. and then, you know, everyone's worked out their issues by the end. I mean, that's a, that's a nice little story. Yeah. Right. And I also think it has that great, it has that great closing that actually is the same ending as Christmas vacation where everything has gone horrible. And then Michael, and then it, it, they, the audience likes it. So Michael Keynes, yes, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> Cause everything's a disaster. Yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, I want to come back to uh, Peter Bogdanovich. So the, 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 this movie is very fascinating to me because it, it's it's really not I'm, not I'm not trying to be offensive but it's not much as a movie like everything that's great about it is what the play is right yeah right so uh, translating it to a movie i don't even know if it was necessary to do that and he does add the framing in the beginning and the end but it's you know it just doesn't feel like it's adding that much to what the play already is Right. Well, it's kind right. of that idea, like a movie director is the author of the film. Right. And a play is the, the central person is always the playwright. Like that's right. no matter what the play really even is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I just don't, I, I, that's the one thing about the movie as much as I enjoyed it. Like, I think what I was enjoying was the play and the performances. Granted, your director is going to be very involved with those performances, but I think I'm guessing that it's close enough to what the play actually was. What yeah. is, you know, um, Bogdanovich, you know, by this point in 92 was, you know, not 
was far from the high point of his career and and from last picture show and he was sort of the wonderkind of of the early 70s and had come up as a as a writer and studied you know knew john ford and and was a great you know admirer of him and howard hawks and came up uh, through that and great success with the last picture show and paper moon and um but then after daisy miller and i think you know towards the late 70s started to kind of stumble and and took you know longer breaks between directing and just could never really have that he never really had a financial success again after that never really lost his street credibility but um but he had a lot of misses you know <laughs> like every one of them was a, a miss yeah uh, you know even i don't know if you've seen texasville which is the sequel to last picture show but that is a mess of a movie <laughs> no <laughs> very like does not line up character wise with with the original and you know a lot of his movies he's rejecting and he's disowning uh illegally yours and the, the theatrical cut of texasville so he's trying to like get these director's cuts released and um you know a lot of it's like he sort of has to die on every hill that he's on um and, and it's not working and and then he's got this which is i think he was trying to you know he had said he was trying to keep a low profile on this movie and not use his name as it's like a Peter Bogdanovich movie. It's like, nope, this is just a play that I love that I'm going to put on camera. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, he directed, so uh, I can't remember what the name of the movie was. He directed this movie in the early 80s. It was the one with his, um, oh, Jesus. What was his, he had a, that his girlfriend who died. Dorothy and, Stratton. Dorothy Stratton. And yeah. so that was that movie that it was with John Ritter too. And that was supposed to be a pretty good movie, but I've never seen it. But I've seen the documentary about it. And that was interesting because it was this like horrible period of time. Yeah, the, you know, the movie was they all laughed. They all laughed. Right. Yeah. I've never been able to track down a copy of it, so I never saw it. But a couple of years ago, they showed it at the Chicago Film Festival, and Bogdanovich was there, which was weird because to show the documentary, which is weird because it's a documentary about making this movie. But then she gets killed, and he's just there in the theater, and so it was a weird, uncomfortable energy in the theater. You know. Yeah. But he wrote a book about it. it. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, but the figure like this is where, you know, not to I'm not trying to excuse whatever the hell Bogdanovich's career became after the 70s. But considering he has all of these high profile relationship problems between Civil Shepherd and then this and this going through what should have been a good period of his career, considering his first couple of movies are really good. Yeah, um, it is odd how long are he sticks around and yeah. then. For me, he's most identified with the Sopranos. Like, oh, you yeah. know, I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, don't get me started. Right? Yeah. More than don't, anything else, don't don't get started. <laughs> don't get me started. Yeah, I mean, late in his career, like that's yes, the Sopranos kind of resurrected him as a you know as a, I guess as more of an actor. As but an actor, he, would, yeah. he ended up directing an episode of Sopranos, and I think he he directed a couple of other television episodes that were like good and people, but and he's still a legend as like yeah kind of bad of a middle part of his career that he had. Yeah. He, I mean, he coasts a lot that. on those early movies. He didn't Absolutely. make that many good movies. No. You know, it's, and, and honestly, I think what goes unsaid a lot is his, his wife at the time was Polly Platt, who was oh, right. greatly involved creatively with those movies and was yeah. a big part of why those were a success too. And then when he left her to go to Sybil Shepherd, look what happened to his career. 
Right, right. So shout out to Polly, the late, great Polly Platt. Um, yeah, so this is right in the middle of that kind of long down period for him. But uh, and and Bogdanovich passed away last year, uh, sadly, so no longer with us. But um, but yeah, we have a couple of great films from him in the early uh, in the early years. I just saw per- uh, Paper Moon for the first time, like two years ago. Paper Moon's great. I, great. I always thought it was like a gimmick because, you know, when kids win Oscars, it's always a little bit like, eh, but that's a really good movie. I was yeah, surprised. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. Should we talk a little, uh, we alluded to it. Should we talk a little box office glory and let's see what this didn't do at the box office. <laughs> what time of the year did this even come out? <laughs> uh, great time. March. <laughs> I feel like I remember seeing the poster at the theaters. The poster looks familiar to me. Yeah. 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 But it could be, I might be thinking of the VHS box too. Could be. Um, All right. So the uh, Noises Off opens uh, uh, March 20th, 1992. Uh, It had a $12 million budget. I think a lot of that went to the cast at the time. Uh, and probably the set, the one set, the one set, that one set. Got to rent that theater. <laughs> uh, let's see. It opened up against uh, Basic Instinct. Was the only other new release. Uh, <laughs> same crowd. Same crowd. Same definitely same, same audience. Yep. Yeah. Paul Verhoeven classic. Um, yeah. Noises <laughs> off does not even make one million dollars that weekend. Does not Ooh. crack the top ten. Uh, which was dominated by Basic Instinct, Wayne's World, and My Cousin Vinny. Ouch. It had a grand total domestic run of $2.2 million. Wow. So uh, not a lot to speak of box office-wise. Mm. Uh, it does. N- it is not in the top 100 of 1992. So it is uh, a quiet film. <laughs> it... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Does not goes. The, 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 noi- the noise is off. The noises were off. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, so, yeah, so it's a, a movie that <laughs> has to hope for a good uh, home video run to recoup any of those costs. Um, Hopefully it was rented like mad back in the, <laughs> in the 90s. I mean, considering you guys have never saw it until this week, uh, is this even a cult hit? Is this literally no. just me and Dave watching I this movie? I think it's just us, yeah. I think it's just you guys. But Oh, no. Yeah, it's... it's uh, I own it's, this movie on DVD. <laughs> well, it was what good about Laserdisc? Could make it <laughs> I, on I, DVD. I may have had it on Laserdisc too. <laughs> Once upon a time, uh, at least they made it on DVD. So yeah. that's true. That's yeah. true. I don't know if this exists on Blu-ray. That I guess it's possible, but I don't know if that's true. <laughs> a 4K never... release. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You can find it streaming. Unlike oh, yeah. other movies, that's <laughs> unlike it's rentable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's on freebie. We're gonna we're gonna three hours to watch it. We're gonna bring this cocoon problem up every episode, I think. (laughs) Until until we get it on the show. Yeah. Cocoon the return. Yeah, that's everywhere. But yeah. Cocoon itself. Yeah. Who knew? Uh, Um 1992 dominated by Aladdin, Home Alone 2, Batman Returns, top three movies of the year. Um no noises off to speak of. It's a shame. Uh, I think, you know, this this continues Bogdanovich's downward slide uh, directorially. But like I said, great showcase for every one of these actors. 
every yeah. single one of them. So yeah, there's no reason not to watch this movie if you like oh. anyone in it. It's f- and, yeah. I mean, were you guys laugh? I mean, were you guys laughing? Did you guys? <laughs> yeah, anything? it took so it for it took you me to like get it. into it. Like, <laughs> it took me a minute to like Jen. figure out what's going. Like, what is our what is the temperature of this movie? You know, yeah. like I didn't know how silly it was supposed to be or over the top or whatever. But um, once I got the rhythm, yeah, like. By the time we were in Act Two, for sure, I was like, "Oh, these yeah. like I love all of these people." Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a it, lot because it, it kind of hits it, it. It it starts strong and fast and stays that way. Like, yeah, right. Like, yeah, I was trying me, to figure it, out it the took first me till Act Two to really find the rhythm as well. Exactly. I, yeah. I would, yeah, I would agree with that, John. I think the first act, like I was really trying to figure out what the play is because the the tech rehearsal, like what's supposed to be happening. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, I was yeah. trying to like compute that, and then by the time Act Two comes around, I'm, I'm in. But uh, <laughs> yeah, if, if you like any of these actors, like you gotta watch it. Like it's it, it's so it's such great performances from all of them, and what at least three of them are no longer with us, right? With Dan Home Elliott, Christopher yeah. Reeve, and John Ritter. Yeah. Um, Ritter, who had a stellar '92, also releasing "Stay Tuned." Hey, uh, and I think Problem Child too. So, oh, very busy, busy, man. very yeah. busy, yeah. getting work. Yeah, but uh, this is great, Ritter. Yeah, yeah, I'd say I'd say anybody who was a theater student or or did a play at any time in their life yeah. would enjoy this movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. How so? I was thinking about this because we were saying about movie about plays that get made into movies and I don't have a problem with real stagey movies. Like, I mean, it depends. Like it's a sliding scale, I suppose. But you know, when you get down to it, like 12 angry men, 12 angry men is a great movie, but again, it's all script. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's all takes place in one room and it's, you know, it's so intense and, you know, and, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of camera going on there. It's not just mm-hmm. not like noises off where it's kind of like, let's just point it at the stage, but I don't know how that sits with, with, with other people, honestly, because it's kind of like because I did shows and things like that, you know, there's certain things you can admire about watching filmed plays or even lightly adapted type plays. So, like, I don't know where how would you where would you put this with like plays made into movies, considering so little has actually changed to make it more theatrical or, or whatever or more cinematic? I would say... I don't know. I would probably put it, I mean, just off the top of my head, I'm thinking like 12, yeah, 12 Angry Men, uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, uh, Streetcar Named Desire, you know, like those, those kinds of movies. I wouldn't put this up there with those just because. I mean, all of those are dramatic, you know, what right? I mean? they're pretty weighty stuff. But, yeah, you know, yeah. But even again, just with just like the function of it, like as far as we took this play, there's only so much you could do with this because it's already set in a theater. Right. But like, but there, I mean, it does raise that question. Like, did this need to be made really? Like as far as need to be made, even in this way, would it have just benefited from just filming it as a show as a, you know, like Hamilton or however they, you know, film right. a stage play and then yeah. put it out, you know, that may I have been of, yeah, go ahead, Brent. Well, I was going to say that may have been a better way to go. Cause I think the thing, and I mentioned it earlier, I think the thing is, is like, you've got to be able to capture the energy of what the stage play is. And I think by putting this on film you're limiting yourself and how you can do that i mean i think trying to do it in a single shot type thing might help but like 
I think it's a good question. Like who, who is this movie for? Like who, right. like why was it made? Like I know. So was it on Broadway at the time? Like I have to imagine it was a fairly successful stage show. Yeah. Right. I'm pretty and, sure it was well off. Bro- I mean, this wasn't a show that I think that ran for years and years. So by, by 92, I don't know what sort of life this had, you know? Yeah. And Michael Frayn isn't such a huge name that like, him writing this script would have really made much difference. He wrote a really good John Cleese movie in the 80s called Clockwork, I want to say. And that's like his only real direct film type credit. But that's a little British movie. That's not anything that I think would really resonate to the point like, well, we got to make up. We got to get in in bed with Michael Frayne, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure who this is for. Like, I I would now love to see the stage show. Yeah. Like Same. I would love to see this stage. Oh yeah, that'd be insane. Like I'm, I'm, I'm actually like really, I'm gonna like look to see where if it's playing and yeah, right. Again, it's usually you know. big theaters would have to be. I mean, it's the only way. This this isn't a community type play. There's no simple yeah. way to do that set. Yeah, that I can think of. You know, so yeah, that's why you never see it done. Um, unless you did it, you know, complete black box, nothing. But even then, it would lose so much that you know why would you bother? But right. Um, yeah, I think it's difficult to take comedies from the stage and make them movies like just and and i can't think of any real examples off the top of my head so i but just based off the movies that john just listed versus this movie you know like it seems like dramas that have you know really well crafted dialogue and and script translate really well and and you can pull that off because it's the 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 dialogue and the acting are compelling enough to keep you engaged. Whereas like with these comedies, part of the enjoyment is the energy that is happening on stage, but also the energy that the audience is feeding into it as they get, you know, engaged with, with the performance. And so you don't get that when you're watching something like this uh, at home. That being right. said, it's still fun. Yeah. It's still good, but I just don't think it's like it nearly as good as if you were to go see it live. Oh, I, yeah. I think the, the the reason to watch the movie is the performance of the actors. If you yeah. like those actors, watch right. the movie. If you don't like those actors, stay away from this movie. Stop <laughs> listening to our podcast and never come back. No. You got a problem with Marklin Baker? <laughs> yeah. Never. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, not, I'm saying this as someone who loves this movie, but I, I right. love it for kind of what it is, but I recognize that it's almost not a movie. Like it's, right. it, it really is this other type of thing. And, and that's what I said kind of before was that this sort of play doesn't get made into a movie. Like there, there's a lot of zany, you know, no sex, please. We're British type plays that are just crazy theatrical door slamming things that don't translate. It just doesn't work that way. You know, like Neil yeah. Simon is probably the best thing to look at because so many Neil Simon movies were made into movies. Neil Simon plays were made into movies. And some of them are great. Odd Couple's great. Like, there's a couple really good mm-hmm. ones, but there's also a lot of really bad ones because it's it is that timing thing. It is that where's the energy? And then if the if the actors are just you know dealing with the crew and they don't have that kind of you know feedback, yeah. things get lost. Yeah. So. Well, and and with uh, I mean the Odd Couple, right? That's Walter Matthau and Jack yeah. Jack Lemon. Like you know, I mean high level, high yeah. level. Bringing like, out the all stars. Yeah, yeah you're bringing team. you're bringing in like two yeah. of the like best at the craft, you know, right. Right. To, well, like to do that. 
Well, like Barefoot in the Park, you got Red, Robert Redford and Jane Fonda, like, the, you know, yeah. the ones with big time, you know, big caliber stuff. But, you know, but there's a lot of other examples, just Neil Simon movies that didn't translate, even though yeah. it's basically the same type yeah. of Neil Simon joke, same sort of plots, you know. Well, I uh, I had a really good time looking back at this. I, di- I didn't know what to expect going into it. I was going off your guys' word that, all right, well, I'll check this out. Never heard of it. But uh, I'm really glad I did. It was uh, especially Mark Lynn Baker, you know, just seeing the legend at work again. <laughs> oh, good. Was a, a real treat. So, Is this your first reconsinimation where you had just, you're just seeing the movie for the first time? I third, right? think yeah it's probably like our third there was there's been a couple that i was a first time watch for me like yeah. one false move was a first time watch and at close range and yeah it happens for me more often than it does for 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 john but yeah, yeah. i got I'm some usually, i got I'm usually a first the, the lineup the lineup this <laughs> i year wasn't was, gonna say it well, a we little the lineup this year is a little obscure so there's definitely mm. gonna be some ones that uh I'll have seen and and everyone else it'll be a first time watch so so we'll see how that works out but fun not yeah not the next show no 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 we'll plug that in a second but um yeah I had a great time looking at this and uh if you guys have other you know theater related uh films uh we'll, we'll let's let's throw them in the mix here what do you got Dave uh, <laughs> Dave's standard response. So MASH was a book, and then the book was made into a play, and then and also, also into a movie. Yeah. But and they don't have musical. the same dialogue because they weren't adapted in the same way. Right. Right. So MASH oh, would be great. It, MASH is on the list yeah. anyway. So yeah. 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 Um, I never knew that, that, that it was a play. I knew it was a movie. Yeah. My parents had the movie as I was a kid growing up. Yeah. The movie and the play have the same plot, basically. Because okay. they're both based on the book, but they're they don't have the same dialogue. They're I mean, the Altman movie is so different. Yeah, that, you yeah, know, it's, right. there's no way it would be, but yeah, um, yeah. And then otherwise, it's like musicals. Yeah, <laughs> of, yeah. Uh, Oklahoma, yeah. you know, Sound of Music. So, um, but I'm just uh, glad we we touched the theater just just a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah, you know, after all these after all these silly movies we've been doing, <laughs> we'll have to do it again. And uh, but yeah, w- next episode. I'm very excited for we are uh, we're pairing up with a a new release a, a release of a a sequel right what it's what a, is it's a sequel it's a sequel of the reboot right right it's a sequel reboot well we're gonna look at the best of the best we're gonna look at Evil Dead two. Oh, you're announcing episode. it. Episode. I'm no, doing yeah. it again. You are. You are announcing it. Wow, I'm this putting, is like this is new. Yeah. Well, we got to uh, tease. You got to tease the audience. Build anticipation. So, yeah. I really uh, thought you were going with Jack the Bear and Cocaine Bear. I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> I didn't know which way was up. Damn I'm it. dying to see Cocaine Bear. Uh, can't wait. Yeah, me too. I can't yeah. wait. Yeah, that looks fun. Um, but uh, so everybody stay tuned for that uh, and check us out on social media. We're at Reconsidimation Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Check out our archives at reconsidimation.com. Drop us a uh, five-star rating and a review. It really helps the show. Check out some of our friends. E.K. Wimmer, uh, thank you for the theme song. And check out his podcast, Laser Graves. Curtis Moore, thank you for the poster. 
And uh, Joe, tell us what's happening on It Happened One Year, your podcast. Uh, well, so we're we're still wrapping up season two, but uh, as we speak, the uh, the fi- the finale of our big five part visitors to Nova Scotia uh, series is coming out, and it's. Um, you know, a, a fun and frolicking look at the UFO sighting in Shag Harbor, Nova Scotia, in, uh, October 4th, 1967. And we're wrapping that up. And season two is barreling towards the end. So we're going to be announcing a season three year fairly soon. Uh, I believe the last episode of season two will be our 100th episode. And that's wow. where hey, we're then going to take some Congrats. Sort of we're getting there. Yeah. Congrats. It's a big deal. 100 episodes. That's it is a, a big long deal. time to hang in there. Yeah, I'm hoping to get Obama to come sit down. I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> so. The request is in. So, well, Sarah, yeah. big fan. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. Barry, well, are you here? If I could, I, I might just have uh, to get Dave to come in and do celebrity voices. Uh, <laughs> so. Look, uh, it's my favorite podcast. <laughs> that is not a Barack Obama. <laughs> I swore he was uh, here in the studio. He just walked in. You're close. You're close. Just just work on it a little bit. But you got it. I haven't. I, I've never done them before. So you know. Well, yeah. You can't just pick it up. You know. Cold turkey. Throwing people at you to see what you can do. Benjamin yeah. Netanyahu, go. Oh. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Oh, hey. well, oh Rodney, you're back. Oh, that's, that's my Ben. That's my Benny. Um, uh, all right, guys. Well, thank you, Joe, for joining us again. We're we're looking forward to the next time you can you can come on, and uh, we always have a good time. So thank you, and uh, we will see you guys next time on Reconsideration. Take care. Bye now. Once more as Obama. Not (laughs) good.